Thank you for tuning in to the First Gen Hunter Podcast, the go-to resource for those seeking to establish a foundation in hunting knowledge, skills, and tactics. Episode 3 already? Are you binging? I hope you're binging. That would be almost better than a 5 star review, knowing that this show is binge worthy. Of course, there's really no way of knowing, so I'll take the good review if you're willing. Shameless groveling aside though, I do truly hope you are enjoying the show. Today's program is longer than our other shows so far, so you might actually be able to sneak in an extra day of commuting with this one. The topic for today's show is summer scouting, but to avoid plummeting into the sea of summer scouting podcast episodes on the internet, I figured we should take a different angle and discuss scouting efforts as they apply to both local hunting ground and remote hunting ground, or that hunting ground you got to travel all the way across the entire stinking state to get to. So hopefully this dichotomy will be helpful for everyone. Now, sip that coffee. Stop thinking about work and tune your brain into episode three of the First Gen Hunter podcast. Hey, great to be back with you guys and also great to be back with my buddy Brandon. Brandon, as always, great to talk to you, man. Hope you had a good day. Anything big happened today or over the last few days well you know getting back used to kind of getting back in the swing of things with work with you know the virus and everything we've got going on in society sure. but I, a thought did come to me today about something that happened recently that was pretty funny you know just thinking about hunting and you know kids and all that type of good stuff and uh you know just before a couple months ago just before everything kind of started with the virus um we were doing our small groups for for uh, church so we were meeting on sunday night and whatnot and you know we have a couple sure. of families that come with younger kids the same age as my kids and so you know we're doing our thing and then they're in the other room playing and whatnot they're doing their thing and so after we're done meeting you know we're like oh we're the kids and a couple of the boys were downstairs and so we ended up going downstairs Ethan who's one of my sons he's three and then one of his friends same age they were down there they both had you know plastic guns they had set up the turkey decoys and like had a perfect setup in the basement they were they were shooting that turkey a whole lot of times and <laughs> a regular <laughs> so was, old a turkey good, shoot huh <laughs> it was it was down in the basement I mean you know they were making the most of you know just you know it wasn't great weather it was like March I mean so they were making the most of it and uh, definitely a proud moment for me as a dad to be able to see you know he's just picking up on it naturally and seeing some of those things that was pretty cool yeah that is a proud dad moment that's looks like your job's going to be easier than you thought getting (laughs) getting your son out in the woods yes my hope is that it one day he'll be the one uh pushing me to get outside i know that how that's how it was when uh i was growing up you know for a while my dad would take us out and then it then it kind of came full circle to where eventually we were like hey dad you want to go out and you could tell he was like, eh, I kind of just want to relax, but yeah, you know what? Let's go out. So, so sometimes it comes full circle like that. Yep. Yep. For sure. I think my son's going to be that same way. He's, he's so busy. In fact, um, yeah. this morning 
it, it was it, the story ends well, so that's good. But it was a stressful <laughs> time at the moment. Um, I let the let our dogs out to go to the bathroom this morning, mm-hmm. and today is like big, big trash item pickup day on our street, mm-hmm. and. On those days, you get um, uh, all these guys that have these old pickup trucks, and they cruise the streets looking for basically scrap metal to to haul away and and make a little make a little money on. Sure. And so I see this guy. He's like parked in my neighbor's driveway, a couple houses down, loading up some stuff. And I was like, you know what? I've kind of been looking for these guys because yeah. I have an old water heater that I had replaced last summer that's been mm-hmm. just standing there in my basement. I was like, you know <laughs> what? I'm going to see if this guy wants this water heater and I can get rid of it without having to yes. without having to drive it to the <laughs> dump or metal recycling <laughs> place or whatever. Right. So I yell over to him and I'm like, "Hey, you want a water heater?" Of course, you know, it's like one of those things, what? What did you say? And I was like, do you want a water? You know, and the neighbors are probably like ready to <laughs> right. snipe me off my front lawn. You're right. Because it, right. it was like 8 in the morning or whatever. But um, I I made contact with him finally, and he's like, yeah, sure, I'll be back in an hour. And so I go, and I, I'm like, all right, got to get this thing out of here. And so thankfully I have a, a dolly or a hand truck, you know. Mm-hmm. I actually got it from when I had a, when I bought a gun safe. I, I bought the dolly because nice. I knew I, w- I wouldn't be able to <laughs> maneuver that thing by myself. <laughs> I think my wife was pregnant right. at the time. And so, uh, but the problem was I go to use this thing, and I had thought that my buddy and I, when we replaced the water heater last summer, mm-hmm. that we had drained the whole thing. Well, uh, oh. I go to pick this thing up, and, and I think I mentioned in a previous episode of, of the First Gen Hunter podcast uh, that that the Boucher family, my family, is, is known to hoss things. And so I'm <laughs> down here, like, like, doing my best on this thing, and it is just miserable. And it starts out, my wheels on my dolly are totally flat. I mean... Oh, not no. a not a molecule of of uh atmospheric gas inside those tires you know they <laughs> those things were 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 totally empty not really because then that'd be a vacuum but but they they were they were as flat as they could be and so it's like all right got to deal with that so i get those pumped up and then bring the dolly back down and i'm like wow this thing's still really hard to move and I thought yeah. I could hear some water sloshing around in there. I was like, but why would we have not drained it? You know, it just seems like we would have drained yeah. it. And so I was like, you know what? I'll just wheel it over the drain. I'll open up the nozzle. Mm-hmm. You know, Murphy's Law will say, nope, nothing comes out of there. It's just 500 pounds that you have to haul out of your yeah. basement by yourself. Yeah. So so <laughs> I, uh, I open that thing up, and sure enough, it starts spraying like Old Faithful right down the drain. You know, it was oh, like... Man. It was like Oh, thank you, Lord, that that thing was full of water. So I get it right. drained. Um, I actually, my dad called me and um, 
uh, he needed somebody to mow his lawn for him next week because he was going to be gone. And mm. so he like calls me right while I'm doing this. And I'm like, perfect timing. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, I'll, I'll mow your lawn, Dad. Want to come carry a, a water heater out of my basement? So <laughs> long trade. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So long, long story short, we got it out. The guy got it. He was happy. Um, I even nice. I even was able to get rid of my grill, which was basically disintegrating, and uh, I was able to get rid of an old dehumidifier uh, th- that wasn't that working feels anymore. Good. That oh feels man, good to just yeah. get rid of that stuff. Yeah, for sure. And I, and, and he was he was stoked to get it, you know. Oh yeah. So yeah, it it, it worked out nicely. But um, anyways, the the stressful part in that story, besides just the whole water heater thing, uh, Jonas happened mm-hmm. to wander outside now he turns he turns three next week and okay. so he's a little guy we live in a, a on a very busy road and um he he just wandered outside he he saw his opportunity and he's always into everything and i come yep. upstairs and he's like begging to get back inside it's like man talk about stressing you out there for a second <laughs> yeah <laughs> when, yeah when, Thankfully, I didn't have to go through the stress of, hey, where's Jonas? Thankfully, I saw him right yeah. there. You know? but, oh, my goodness. Yeah, but, no kidding. But, uh, yeah, it was pretty, uh, that was that was a pretty stressful moment. But yeah. Jonas did, re, re, he, he has, as, as crazy as he can be, he certainly has very lovable, redeeming uh, qualities. And uh, <laughs> uh, on the hunting side, Yes. Just like your son at times can really uh, warm his father's heart. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, yesterday, I think I was, I think I was editing one of our podcast episodes or something, mm-hmm. sitting there at the table. All of a sudden, he comes walking up to me, and he's got a vacuum cleaner attachment. <laughs> and and this kid, for whatever reason, since he could like form words, has been obsessed with vacuum cleaners. We have like one of those, those uh, Roomba vacuum cleaners because we have two dogs. Yes. So there's and we have dark hardwood floors, mm-hmm. so you can always see the hair. And my that my wife yes. hates, hates that. So, <laughs> so uh, he loves that thing, and then he loves the regular vacuum cleaner. So he calls it the Gopium. It used to be the Gopper. Now it's the Gopium. So he's getting closer. <laughs> he's getting closer. <laughs> right, but uh, he comes up with the uh, Gopium attachment, and. He comes up to me and he does this like on a scale of one to ten for an elk bugle, and we'll say an elk bugle through a bugling tube, not yes. just a, like an actual elk. But so somebody who's trying to call for elk, I would give him a mm-hmm. solid six and a half. And I think I sent you the video, and so yes. you you could be I the judge it. of that as well. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> He's like ripping off these bugles through this vacuum attachment, and uh, he even he even was doing a little glunking after he uh, or chuckling, you know. However, you oh I think, my goodness, I, I don't, so I, don't funny. I guess I don't really know what the difference is between glunking and chuckling. I, I I've tried to look it up before, and it seemed to be the same thing. But he yeah. was, regardless, he was doing that along with his bugle, and and yeah. uh, man, it was it was like hilarious but such a proud moment for his old man yes that uh yes. i i i uh was 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 pretty happy about it. i was i was circulating that video pretty quickly with uh friends and family 
Um, but actually, well, sometimes it's the simple tools that are needed. You know, you just get a vacuum cleaner part, and you're—I mean—you're set to go. You know. <laughs> yeah, you think if we ever get that uh, that Colorado elk hunt work together, yes. here, should we just bring a couple of uh, uh, vacuum attachments with us? <laughs> It would make for a great video, I'm telling you. <laughs> maybe we can get maybe we could get a, a sponsorship with like a a major um uh vacuum cleaner manufacturer. Yes. <laughs> yes, I love it. <laughs> Talk the, about being outside of the box. <laughs> right. The open range series. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness, uh, that is great. Yeah, so if if you find yourself uh deprived of seeing a near three year old ripping elk bugles through a vacuum attachment, head over to the First Gen Hunter website or the First Gen Hunter YouTube channel and you will be able to see the very video that contains such uh uh winsome content. <laughs> That's awesome. So, uh, enough about uh, family family life right now. Let's go ahead and, and uh, we we could probably talk about family life all day, and people oh, yeah. would, people would probably be like, "Dude, it's your family. We don't really care." <laughs> so, so out of respect for those people, uh, our our topic that we want to address today is something that's uh, relevant to this this uh, time that that we're in right now. Mm-hmm. Um, which is that kind of doldrum time where mm-hmm. where we're out of the spring hunting season and uh, we don't have sheds to look for anymore. We you know, we're beyond prime time for mushrooms in most places. Mm-hmm. And so, what what do we do with our time? Well, if you're if you're a hardcore hunter. And uh, maybe you're starting to fi- find out that you think you would like to, to maybe kind of take hunting more seriously. Mm-hmm. Scouting is the name of the game for this time of year. Now, scouting, when I when I say that, um, the the species that I immediately associate it with, and of course I've I've said this before on the podcast, whitetails are my favorite my favorite yeah. species to chase. And Brandon, mm-hmm. Brandon's the same way. But yes. although the focus of our show today is going to be scouting for whitetails, wouldn't you agree, Brandon, that certainly you could include valuable information for other target species when you're out scouting oh, yeah. for whitetails? For sure. I mean, there's always something to learn. And, you know, the cool thing about being being differentiated is, you know, you're able to be out there, you're able to pursue different game. And so when you're every time you're out in the woods or you're out in the field, I mean, you're learning something. So, you know, depending on what type of game you're pursuing, I mean, this this is the time of year where you you kind of have a lot of different things in mind because you're out there shouting, you're seeing things. It's not the season necessarily for anything, which means you're just keeping your eyes open and you're, you know, you could be planning travel routes, you know, how to exit properly, you know, wind direction, you know, uh, stand placement, you know, uh, field you know uh, uh field of uh, uh, food plot planting um you know sunflowers for doves you know it, there's so many facets that go into it sure. and you know as you you get older you know sometimes you know just just being a real person you've got less time um so being able to kind of combine some of that scouting ability when you have the time becomes super critical yeah for sure and especially that 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 time maximizing factor 
when you have either a a family like like Brandon and I, and so you mm-hmm. have you have I guess maybe um, what would be the right term? Maybe mixed priorities. You know, you, yeah, there's yeah. there's just different, totally different um, places you have to be. You can't. You, mm-hmm. In other words, you can't multitask and address both those things at the same time so automatically then your time is is split and yes. and family is always going to take precedence for for mm-hmm. myself and, and for brandon and his family mm-hmm. and, and that's how it in our opinion it should be but when you do get that time you need to look at that and say okay if i'm going to still be committed to uh, really doing this the right way, I need to be creative with with how I approach that time. And so, anytime you can really mix multiple things together like that, it's it's a great mm-hmm. idea. You know, one thing that and and people might laugh at me when they when they hear me say this because I, I really don't know how how if it would ever be effective. But one thing I thought of this spring, <laughs> yeah, when I was shed hunting a property that I hadn't, I've only been on a few times, and. Uh, uh, every time I've shed hunted there, though, either I or somebody else has found an antler, so that's pretty cool. Um, that is cool. Uh, saw some turkeys there as well this spring mm-hmm. when I was shed hunting. Um, I don't have, I haven't asked for any real hunting permission there. Um, I may ask for turkey hunting permission eventually, but I, anyways, I was walking out there and I was like, you know what? Um, I could never cackle like a pheasant. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just too complicated, right? But uh, yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe I just don't have the right vacuum attachment. <laughs> <laughs> there are many attachments. You never know what we can find. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But uh, I can't. I, I I can whistle a pretty good Bob White quail call. <laughs> so, oh yeah, there you go. So I was thinking, you know, while I'm out here just walking around, why not? Why not uh, sound out a few uh, Bob White. Uh, whistles while I'm looking around just to see if I could get any uh, quail to whistle back and and find out if uh, there's any quail on this property, you know. So mm-hmm. so uh, I don't know. I, I I've never really had much success with calling to quail, but uh, or any success for <laughs> that you, matter. Did you did you get anyone any of them calling you back or no? No, I, I didn't get anybody whistling back for me, but. Uh, um, I ended up finding a shed though, so it, it nice. Made, hey, there you go. It All made right. up for my insanity, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have really been feeling bad about myself. But, but hey, if there was ever a time to try something like that, you're out there. You know, hey, you know why not? <laughs> that's right. That's right. And I figured if I could just get one to call back, then it would le- legitimize my whole ridiculous uh, philosophy there. But I don't know. I might try it again. <laughs> I might try it again in the future. Quail have kind of been making a bit of a comeback in Iowa, at least where where I've nice. uh, I've been around so that's very that's cool been kind of encouraging yeah but, um the the thing that I think um a lot of times people forget about when they're talking about um scouting for whitetails mm-hmm. specifically mm-hmm. we'll just go with whitetails because that's generally what um most people associate with as we said mm-hmm. they kind of make that assumption that how do i do that when i hunt in my backyard you know or mm-hmm. down the road mm-hmm. or you know within 15 minutes of their house anyways yeah and there are a lot of people that that hunt that way which is great you know mm-hmm. I, I i wish i could 
have that kind of access, but sure, a lot of other people like myself, our hunting is our we have big hunting trips, you know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. we might not hunt as many days out of the year, but we probably stack up close to the same amount of hours as mm-hmm. somebody who hunts close to home just because yep. most of their hunting is going to be before and after work, you know, and then they got to work all day. Yeah. So they're, mm-hmm. they're, yes, they're going, they're out in the field more days of the year, but for, you know, maybe a max of, of 10 hours a week or something like that. But sure. But, um, you know, people like me will set aside several, several days at least, you know, maybe a long weekend or some guys will mm-hmm. take a week or two to take their rut, rut, vacation or whatever and uh when they do that or when i do that and end up traveling to some place that could be multiple hours away Mm -hmm. how do you really scout for that during this time of year so that's one of the things i'm going to actually talk about in this episode Mm -hmm. and brandon i believe you've done most of your hunting pretty well local if i'm not mistaken Mm -hmm. okay so so brandon's gonna take on local hunting scouting for us yep and and i'll address the uh more remote or travel to uh hunt scouts scouting trips i guess i should say so let's just go ahead and dive right into it and yeah um, yeah sure uh, the first I thing. Mean, oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I apologize. Well, I was going to say that the the first thing to uh, really think about here, and this is the scouting that begins before you leave the house, right? And sometimes, mm-hmm. in some cases, yep. before you leave your couch, or uh, sometimes I'll, I'll even do this. Uh, um, you know, when I'm falling asleep at night, I'll uh, get on uh, a mapping app and uh, mm-hmm. just kind of. Um, look it over and and uh while i'm thinking about something you know that's usually why it ends up happening is as i'm winding down i'm like huh i wonder if i tried going to this spot and then i can't yeah i can't resist getting on like google earth or something like that <laughs> and yep, seeing yep, and yep. seeing if it's really that way but but e-scouting is such a huge part of the game now and some of these things are going to apply to both remote locations and uh, localized hunting areas. But I think the first thing um, that we, and we've mentioned this before, you have to keep in mind is it does not totally make up for that first person. Yes. Experience. It, yes, and I know, I know you're in agreement there, based on how we've talked before. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you have any examples of where you've really noticed that before, Brandon? One hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And you mentioned this a little bit ago. You know, I'm I'm blessed to, uh, you know, all the properties that that I hunt. Um, you know, in Southern Delaware is unique because um, in the county that I live, you know, there's literally thousands of acres of of state land. Um, that's, that's open access to any hunter. And then, you know, we're blessed to also be able to, um, you know, hunt private land, you have a few hundred acres of private land and, you know, pretty much all of it's within 25 minutes, uh, a few properties within, you know, 15. And, uh, you know, I, I know, 
you know, one of the properties that, that we have, you know, when we first got the property about 10 years ago, you know, we thought, man, you know, you, you see a, you see a map of a property initially and it's that excitement. Well, it's a new property, man. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get in there. And I mean, I'm excited to be able to see the layout and everything. And, and, you know, it was interesting, you know, there was a spot or two that we thought, man, that is going to be the mm-hmm. spot. You know, we're looking at them. We're looking at the map and we're like, man, yep. we just know it. We're going to get in there and we're going to, you know, ultimately get some big bucks down in that spot. And, you know, it's interesting how it turns out because, you know, you get in there and, you know, it's all a strategy. You know, you're you're looking, you know, a, you know, huge key, of course, you know, you're looking, OK, where's the bedding area? Where is, you know, where's the feed area? You know, you're trying to, you know, you know, get in between that, ideally, depending on the setup of the property. Um, you know, and, and depending on the time of year. And so, you know, you've got different setups. It's, it's interesting when you get in there and then you look at some of these spots, some of them, you know, you get in there and you think, you know what, that's that's not exactly what I thought it was going to be. But then mm-hmm. again, some of them end up being that and then you'll go put a stand up and then you know what? It's weird. You don't you don't have any success there. So, yeah. you know, it's interesting. Like like you said, you know, you really have to put the boots on the ground and then kind of follow that out to completion through the hunting process to determine some of that. And that's all about the strategy of what's involved, you know, and so that's that's a big part of the of the planning side of things. The, the neat thing about. It's a double-edged sword, really. The neat thing about being close to properties are, you know, you're right there. You can go to them a lot. Um, the downside to it is, you know, it's it's that much easier to frequent the properties. You know, you're putting scent out. Yeah. You know, you're yeah, disturbing true. the properties. And and you know what? One thing that we found very helpful, and not that every property will allow this because of the setup of the property, but you know, if you can have a sanctuary area on the property that, you know, is ideally, you know, maybe 15 to 20 acres, you know, more if you can, but, you know, if you got a 15 to 20 acre area where you, you do not step foot in it, you don't, not during hunting season, not during, you know, scouting, that is just the area where, you know, the deer are going to be able to, to be and not be disturbed. That really does help retain deer on your property and helps them live on your property uh, and so we've seen you know a, a good success with that and the nice thing is this time of year you can get away with you know going to the property and and being able to shed hunt you know in in these last couple months and then planting the food plots and things like that and then ideally from there you know you're you're setting those trail cams you know wi-fi trail cams are, are a big thing now For and sure. yep. um we you know, I, I, am of the mindset, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a regular guy, you know, and so I, I do try to keep costs down. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, I usually, I use, you know, just like 80, you know, 89, $99 trail cams right now, not really bridged into the, into the Wi-Fi side of things. You know, Kent will probably talk a little bit more about that, you know, that capacity, especially when you're looking at a property that's, you know, that's, you know, you're really traveling some distance to, but, um, you know, setting those trail cams up and then really purposefully not visiting him very often, you know, because at that stage of the game, you know, especially if you know the property, you know where the key pinch points are, you know where the key transition points are, the traveling, yep. the trails, you know, so you can set that up and you can visit it once a month. Hey, upload the photos, see what's going on and, and then go from there because, you know, at the end of the day, it, it's all about a balance. So, you know, most of us don't have an endless amount of time to be able to spend out there. So you want to make the very most of the time that you do have. Yeah, 100%. The the biggest mistake I think a lot of hunters make with, like what you said, when they have a local mm-hmm. property, and again, I'm... I'm not a hunting expert here i'm uh, mm-hmm. that that's your job brandon <laughs> <laughs> um uh, 
I think a really common mistake is exactly what you said. You got this yeah. thing, and especially if you own it, or maybe you're paying for mm-hmm. a lease, you want to mm-hmm. be on it. You want to be, you want to be enjoying what what is yours. You know, it's just like if you have a have a really nice car that you like. You know, you want to be out. You want to be out cruising in your car. You don't want it just sitting in the garage. And so, it's so tempting to to take a area that is is mostly designated for hunting and and in Iowa that's it's interesting because the you know most places where people are hunting obviously it's going to be a rural area so there's there's ag everywhere um yeah i once i once heard or my i have a good friend who once said he read in a book once that the state of Iowa as a whole mm-hmm. is when you look at what its original landscape was mm-hmm. is just as developed, so changed from its original state as mm-hmm. um, I believe it was uh, um, Manhattan Island um, in, wow. in New York. Yeah, so so that that gives you an idea just of how much ag surrounds everything but when you get into those timber pieces you know and like you said Mm -hmm. those transition areas where you find deer spending time Mm -hmm. you can leave those alone and they're used to having tractors and pickups and combines and and even things like uh four-wheelers and and gators and stuff cruising around Mm -hmm. by them and so if you can stay out of that timber, like you said, that yes. they'll be willing to tolerate all of that that peripheral activity mm-hmm. if they feel safe and left alone in in really the best term for it in their sanctuary location. Yes. So that that I think is a is a great tip and and really one that you don't think of when considering uh, a cell cam. You know, like, mm-hmm. and we'll get into that more uh, later. But yeah, but yeah, that's that's a really good point. Um, now, when now when you're looking at, you know, because this is a little different for me, and I'm curious to kind of hear your perspective on the, you know, the traveling outside of the area, because you know that one of the things that I personally I'd love to do is kind of expand my horizon a little bit to be able to get access to hunting properties that maybe are a little bit further away. So I'm kind of curious to hear your perspective on the those re- more remote type setups and what your thoughts are on that. Sure, sure. Um, well, as we were talking earlier, when you are hunting a remote property, that maximizing of time is mm-hmm. is is so important. Mm-hmm. One time, my I'm one of those people who's like, I I'm a s- skeptical guy in most areas <laughs> of my life. Yeah, um, yeah, except for when it comes to the hours in a day you know when i make plans mm-hmm. i i fully expect you know that that uh there's going to be 30 hours in that day you know what I, you know what i mean yes. i just yeah i just way over plan and and <laughs> right you know we're going to do this and then we're going to do that and then we're going to get this done and so one time my brother and i we were building a a bail blind we found some plans online it, w- it was a fun yeah. project i'll he'll um I'm gonna have my my youngest brother, who he's who's also a first gen hunter, of course, um, mm-hmm. on for an interview about his uh, 
his uh, deer he he killed his first his first deer, and nice. uh, you'll hear about the infamous uh, bail blind in there. Might as well call it the uh, the the mouse trap. But uh, <laughs> we when we were building this bail blind, uh, of course it took way longer than we thought it would. And he's super handy. I mean, he builds like furniture for his house all the time, and yeah, and, and like he built their kitchen their kitchen table and and an island for the middle of their kitchen and stuff so he's like really handy and yet it still took us forever to get this thing together and yeah. we were planning to shed hunt that day and 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 i think we probably even brought some fishing rods along to hit the farm nice. pond or you know and and we got like maybe a half hour of shed hunting in and the rest of the time we were messing with this blind <laughs> you know so <laughs> so when you when you and of course it's a remote hunting property so when you when you go to these places you have to really have a good plan in place for your scouting mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and you have to um be able to multitask as best as possible and yes. so that in that sense the risk isn't so much that you're in there all the time obviously mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and pushing deer around the the problem is you just don't get enough done and so then when hunting season rolls around you're always like a third of the way prepared you know what i mean well said and so well said. and so you might have deer on the the property that are unbothered mm -hmm. but um you're probably going to have to rely a lot more on ground hunting which yeah i'm, I'm not a i'm not at all opposed to ground hunting i, I killed my first buck from the ground um, yeah uh but my other deer that I that I've killed, I killed those from a stand, you know. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so the reality of it is, you're probably not going to have as good of an opportunity if you aren't able to maximize your time when you get there. So, it's kind of it's kind of the opposite problem, really. But yeah, but when you're doing your e scouting for your remote property especially this probably isn't going to be as much of an issue but it is certainly something to keep keep your eye on when you you are trying to e-scout your local hunting area mm -hmm. know your neighborhood um a friend of mine who uh, i think i mentioned him before he's he's the uh guy who uh scoops up just tons of sheds every year yes mm -hmm. um he came on to one of my properties with me that I hunt and uh he just I mean his brain is like a computer that has you know all kinds of whitetail information just like downloaded yeah. so then he's like <laughs> scanning you know it's just like all this data is like coming up in his brain you know it's all right that needs to happen <laughs> like there this is where the deer are going to be moving that's where you know it's like, yeah right right yeah and so he he uh i mean just some of the things he started mentioning to me it's like huh i guess i really should have been looking for that and yeah. over the last year i'd been doing that a little bit as i've been you know getting better at hunting and 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 figuring out how it works a little bit better but yeah you should know okay if i have if i have this kind of a bedding area here what's mm -hmm. what's better for bedding around you know, so in other words, yeah. oh, can I just rely on the fact that, yeah, I got this nice little patch of bedding here? Or is the mm -hmm. reality that um, a quarter mile away, this neighbor has 10 times as much right. bedding? You right. know? And so how am I going to get deer to come over to where I can hunt? You know, mm -hmm. Or if deer 
are coming on my property um, there's going to be less of them that are staying here so a lot of the deer that are going to be coming on my property are probably just passing through so yes i need to focus on not just hunting near a nice the best bedding area on my property i also need to be hunting on these travel corridors where they're probably going to where there's 10 times as much bedding a quarter mile away you know yeah and, right and so it's so easy though when you have that remote property you hunt to just get locked in on it you know it's like that is yeah. my property that is where i go hunting you know and right and that's to me that's that's a it's just the wrong way to look at it. You you got to know what are the other factors in the area. And, and mm-hmm. another thing is one you really mentioned. What's the public ground situation around here? Because yep. what if, <laughs> I mean, we hate it when this happens, but what if we set aside this time to go hunting and we just are not seeing deer? You know, is mm-hmm. there is there an alternative where, you know, you're day three into your out-of-town hunt and you've, maybe had a handful of deer that you've sighted on one of the days and so you've Mm -hmm. gone you've gone multiple sits generally when that happens there's some kind of problem right um there's either um the time of year you're hunting you've lost one of the important factors that's would make deer come on your property whether and generally you know that's going to either be cover or food um Mm -hmm. or who knows maybe the day before you got there um, there is some huge disturbance on either your property or the, the neighbor's property. You know, maybe, maybe somebody's dogs got loose and they were chasing deer right through your, uh, right through your sanctuary area that yeah, literally yeah. hours before you went hunting. And, and now yeah. that they sense human presence are, is on the property, they're just going to stay away for it until, until they don't sense that any longer. So what's your backup plan when that happens? And I think that's another important a really important uh, factor that that out of town hunters need to take into consideration when they're doing their e scouting. If you can just have a place where, yeah, you might not have more than a climber stand packed along with you, or maybe mm-hmm. you don't even have that. Maybe you're just going to have to hunt on the ground. It's if unless you can get where there's deer, you're not yeah. going to kill one. You're 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 just not. And so, I mean, and not that you have to kill a deer to have fun deer hunting, but generally when you take days off of work and yeah and find the babysitter for <laughs> to yeah, to help yeah. out to help out at home then then you want to maximize that time and so i think well and, the, and I, I think that just knowing your neighborhood is really the best way yes. to say it yes and, and and i think i and and springing off of that i think you know it's it's important to to realize too that um you know comfort um and, and complacency is not going to yes is is not going to create growth and so and of course you know we hunt you know those of us who love to hunt you know we hunt because we love the outdoors you know we love being able to be out in it we enjoy it you know but there's also you know we talk about that pursuit and that journey um and and yes it is about 
you know, being able to, to take an animal, you know, respectfully and, and, and harvest that animal and enjoy that animal. But it's also about learning, you know, it's about learning the woods. It's about learning the game. It's 100%. about, it's, it's, it's about so much more than just taking the animal. And so, you know, it kind of equated to, you know, let's say you had a favorite fishing spot that you, that you went to and someone was like, man, you know, yeah, you want to try to fish this other pond? And you were like, well, no, I mean, I just fished this one pond, yeah. um, you know, ultimately you're 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 going to limit your ability to really grow as a fisherman you know and in the same way with hunting you know if you kind of get locked in on one spot not only is it is it bad because you're increasing pressure in that area yep. and and probably going to hurt yourself in that way you're also not going to grow you know so so right. sometimes when you venture out you know maybe it's a maybe it's a, a, a state piece of property that's close to some property that you already hunt you know what hey go scout it out go take a look yeah. you know it you know best case you know you're going to ease the pressure on your own property and you may find a honey hole on another property and learn something through it that you can take back you know to to future times when you're going hunting uh in the future so i mean you know there's a lot to be learned and so we have to be willing to expand our horizons a little bit for sure for sure you know we're gonna do an episode eventually that just is solely dedicated to e-scouting so i don't Mm want to i don't want to get too carried away here but you saying this made me think of this yeah a new thing that I've started to do, and I, it, I came about it while dr- traveling to a remote hunting spot. When I'm cruising down the road, and yeah, and, and again, you know, being being in a state where there's a lot of just rural open areas, mm-hmm. um, when I come across an area that that's just like, man, that place has deer in it. I know it does. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'll um drop a pin on my my uh mapping app yes while or you know if i'm driving i'll have my wife do it drop a Mm -hmm. drop a pin on the mapping app and then when i when i'm in the future looking through my my map pins be like oh yeah drop this back here and a lot of times you can find public ground that is reasonably close to there or Mm -hmm. Hey, next time you're passing through, maybe you're running a little bit ahead of schedule or something, and yep. uh, maybe go knock on a door. And who knows? Sure. Maybe you'll maybe you'll get access to this ground, especially mm-hmm. if it's in a really low populated area. Mm-hmm. There might mm-hmm. not be anybody else hunting there. Right. There may have not been anybody hunting there for decades. You know, right. until yeah. until I mean, let's be honest, that doesn't happen often. But and in some states, you know, where the pressure's so high, it just won't happen. But but um, sure. I'm fortunate enough here in, in Iowa where we don't have that kind of pressure, and so um, yeah. we could, you know, that that's a realistic another realistic opportunity like you said if you come out of your yeah. comfort zone and use that e-scouting tool to your advantage you know something 100% something that you can come back to in the future and you're right that's what does lead to growth is when we we uh, stretch ourselves in that way yeah. well the other the other thing i wanted to address for scouting is something that i already mentioned is over now but um maybe you uh saw some interesting things while you were shed hunting and what i mean by that is maybe you saw some pretty good deer sign or what looked to be like good deer sign at one time right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i'm gonna say right now i really don't think there's any better time to scout 
deer than during shed season. And, and there's multiple reasons why I say that. Uh, sure. re- reason number one, you are so far away from the next deer season that yeah. you can go into those sanctuary areas. You can, mm-hmm. you can smell like an all you can eat buffet and, <laughs> and, uh, you can be as loud as you want to be. Mm-hmm. And that, that activity is going to be long since forgotten come yes. October 1. It's yep. it's just not it's it's just not going to harm your hunt down the road. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um try doing something like that in August and that's probably not going to be the case. There's, yeah, well said. There's there's probably going to be some some uh some bit of, at least some effect on your fall hunting. So yes. that's that's the first reason. The second reason is you are very close to when those or or you are time wise you're very close to when the hunting season last was taking place, yes. so you are where deer were when mm-hmm. people had tags in their pocket, and mm-hmm. so you can find out a little bit about okay, this is how they were traveling um looks to be maybe two months ago or or mm-hmm. or you know if if you find like a um a grove of oak trees well as we've we've mentioned in previous episodes during shed season mm-hmm. oak trees don't do you really any good because the, the those acorns that dropped on the ground are long since rotted and and you know not palatable to the deer so right uh, but as you see all those trails there well, guess when acorns are, you know, the, the thing to have, yes. right? When you have a bow yes. in your hand, you know? Mm-hmm, that's and, right. And so you can find stuff like that. And then, of course, uh, those telltale signs of uh, rut activity, you know, scrapes mm-hmm. leading up to the rut. And, and so look for those old scrapes and, and look for, uh, a, a, you know, really uh, f- uh, you can tell just within the last, six months rubs you know or, or since yes. oh, since yeah. november yeah. you know that mm-hmm. find those rub lines and sometimes mm-hmm. you'll see somebody share a picture of just this looks like almost a, an elk came through and rubbed up this tree you know just these right these giant rubs you know you find that yes. stuff and that's that's a great time to to really um to really find that information and a thing that i think you've mentioned in the past Mm-hmm. You kind of use it to take inventory of, hey, what bucks are probably still running around um, yep. after the last uh, sunset on hunting season took place. Mm-hmm. Who's still, who's still, who's still standing, and who can I kind of start yep. looking for on trail cameras and and um, uh, just hey. one, in the rest of my scouting. One and one fun thing too that you know we just in in our you know hunting group here in Delaware started recently is n- naming bucks. You know, it's actually it's it's a fun thing. You know, I mean, like you know, for instance, this la- this last year we had um, one named Captain Hook. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he had this beautiful hook off the off the right side i mean just you know it's really kind of cool to you know name them and you know you start to 
a bit of a relationship with them. You know, you're watching them. You know, maybe you have an opportunity that just didn't quite happen earlier in the season, or maybe, man, you had a shot at one. You know, I, I had a chance last year at, at one, and man, I, I hit it. Man, I thought, oh man, I hope this thing didn't go off and die. We never found it. And then, you know, yeah. month and a half later, we have pictures on trail, trail cam of it. You know, so pretty cool to be able to to name these guys yeah. and you know, kind of start, you know, and then you see, you know, in many cases, you know, for instance, we had one um, a couple years ago that we nicknamed Kickback because it had it's G2 on one side it actually really distinctly kicked back oh, that's cool. um and and you know very very commonly you know these these uh, anomalies within Dirax they will show up in subsequent years and so you know it's cool to you're like wow you know my goodness that's kickback and we were able to see a picture of him you know just this past year and you know bigger and i mean it's just you know it's really neat you know you start to you know key in on those maybe they're a two and a half year old and you know you're trying to you know you're trying to really allow deer bucks to get to that three and a half four and a half year old range and you're watching them grow up and that that's really cool to be able to go through that process oh for sure yeah yeah definitely and it honestly it just makes it easier you know when you uh-huh. when you give a buck a name and especially if you have yes. a pretty good inventory of of bucks on your trail camera you know even if it's just mm-hmm. something that like like sounds like you guys do where it's just some descriptive terminology about about the antlers you know that's yes. that's super helpful as well the tip of the day relates to a funny meme i saw the other day Actually, I saw it on the Hunt Fish Life Facebook page. See? You're missing out on it if you haven't followed the page yet. Anyway, it was a comic of some dude trying to fall asleep, and his brain poses this question. Did you turn your trail camera on after you set it up today? Of course, the mental quiet required for sleeping died at that moment for this poor feller. Now, the reason that comic is so funny because if you use trail cams often enough, you know something like that happens to everyone eventually. Maybe it's not forgetting to turn the cam on, but you forget to change the batteries, or you don't even put a card in the camera. Or maybe you didn't trim down that grass well enough and now you have a National Geographic worthy footage of grass blowing in the wind. Whatever the problem is, you're probably going to have one. But, rest assured, there are ways to prevent this. One of the best ways to avoid unfortunate operator errors with your trail cam is by testing your camera out in your yard before you haul it into the deer woods. This small effort will help you learn the sensitivity of the camera, confirm that the settings are correct, and just the general assurance that everything is working properly. Plus, who knows, maybe you'll get that photographic evidence you need to convict your neighbor of blowing his lawn clippings into your yard, or the first ever trail cam evidence of Sasquatch. Regardless, it's a small adjustment that can save you a broken heart four months down the road. Now, let's get back to the show. Something else that we mentioned earlier mm-hmm. was the use of trail cameras. And t- to me, there's probably no bigger, 
I don't know. Maybe you could say e-scouting's on par, but mm-hmm. just within the last couple decades of hunting, and of course mm-hmm. I haven't been hunting that long, but mm-hmm. just from you know reading and and talking with other hunters, th- that's been a huge addition to the 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 way people hunt in general, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the the addition mm-hmm. of the the trail camera to people's uh, armory of of equipment for for hunting and i know both you and i run cameras we've talked about that Mm -hmm. before and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of factors that go into deciding what camera should you get um Mm -hmm. what how much money should you spend on it you know all Mm -hmm. that stuff you're you're just trying to balance it all and um i actually I, i wrote an article about this about how to use trail cameras effectively so go to mm-hmm. firstgenhunter.com to 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 get maybe a more detailed explanation of kind of my thought process when i go to hang a trail camera but yeah. some of the stuff that that i think specifically ties to remote scouting again is something you brought up do you you got to ask that question um do i do i need or do I want a cell camera? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's more that goes into that than just the price tag you see uh, online sure. or, or at at the store. Um, I um, actually here's here's a, uh, a a tip for everyone right here to be looking out for. Um, I have a I have lots of theories on lots of things, right? They're probably all wrong, but <laughs> but uh, kind of like the whistling for Bob Whites while yeah, I'm right. while I'm uh, <laughs> shed hunting. <laughs> but um, uh, a theory I have is that um, on places like uh, Facebook Marketplace or mm-hmm. I imagine Craigslist, you'll see trail cameras for sale, mm-hmm. and when you you know something that I think probably all of us do when we go to buy something from from someone that we uh, have no idea who they are, especially at the mm-hmm. price of a trail camera. We try to go on their profile or whatever and and yeah. see what's going on. And I have noticed many times when I see a trail camera for sale on marketplace and I go to check it out and I go to the person's profile, there is like zero evidence of them having even the most remote interest mm. in hunting. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. 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 You know where this is going. Yeah, and so oh, I'm yeah. just wondering, you know, like, so what happened here? Did they like break up with their, their, uh, boyfriend <laughs> or girlfriend or something? And, and now they're trying to quick sell their stuff before they come back to get it. What's, what's going on here? Right, uh, but right. my theory is that a lot of that stuff, either a, doesn't even exist they don't have it right and they're just hoping because a trail camera that's an hour and a half away uh for Mm -hmm. 85 bucks yeah 85 bucks starts to get your attention but Mm -hmm. it's not really something that you want to drive an hour and a half each way to go get and so you'll be like hey you got paypal you know or venmo or you know you're like yes if i pay shipping will you send it and i fell for this on a cell camera i was going to get it for um my most remote property that i hunt oh man and uh you know there were some red flags there but i was like "Eh, i don't know it seems legit and yeah and uh 
Yep, took my money. There was never a camera. Oh, man. What a bummer. Cut off communication. Yeah, so the reason I bring this up, if you are a a fellow hunter, which I assume you are if you're listening to this podcast, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, be be very leery of that. Uh, Mm -hmm. And further evidence for that, by the way, my theory, was just in my area recently, um, somebody reported on on a hunting... Uh, page on on facebook uh, that i Mm -hmm. follow um that somebody went to one of the local hardware stores and must have had a knife or something and they cut open like every single package of trail cameras at the store and uh um and stole them just left the store oh my goodness so uh obviously yeah some some uh low life went in there and and cleaned them out but so yeah, just be be leery of that when you're when you're looking yeah. for those. And so, what I would recommend instead is just follow. If you do want to go with a cell camera, follow the sales at at you know regular retailers, and mm-hmm. and don't try and take a shortcut to get there like that. And you also have to keep in mind that there's going to be a cost for a cell plan. Um, mm-hmm. You're essentially putting a really basic function cell phone and strapping it to a tree right and that Mm -hmm, all it mm -hmm, does is take pictures and send them and so to do that though you have to have cell service and so you're gonna have to pay it's usually i think around ten dollars a month yeah um, Mm -hmm. plan and i i'm not really sure if you get multiple cameras if you can put them all on the same plan i don't think so i think you can you can get a reduced rate if you okay. usually they'll give you a reduced rate if you do it all year for like a camera but it usually is like 10 10 per they'll usually give you a break on the monthly if you run it all year cuz some guys will just run it you know for a few months of the year and then sure. turn it off yep. so there's a couple couple ways to get some deals out there right and to me if you're going to buy a camera like that it's worth it to have it going all year cuz then you're getting that sure. constant and and what it does though you know the huge payoff obviously if you have a remote property is you're uh-huh. going to get probably if you have a good camera placement daily um updates as to what's going on in your hunting property what's happening there yeah. with with the deer herd and and, and mm-hmm. you know i get all sorts of things turkeys pheasants um sure even even uh some predators that are on the landscape which you know it's always fun to see you know maybe catch a bobcat or a fox or something like that um, sure uh, on the on the camera but um you know it's if you if you get a good one it's i think worth it but you can also you know if you plan enough trips and like we talked about earlier are efficient with your planning and you're going to multitask while you're there why not just have one that's a, a cheaper model that stores a few months worth of photos on your mm-hmm. on your SD card and you grab yep. your SD card and and uh, start uploading pictures but with that um I would strongly recommend getting a card reader that works with your phone yeah or I've heard of some guys they'll have like an old tablet laying around and uh, they'll mm-hmm. bring that tablet out with them. That's another great idea. Or the uh, yes. most, I think most of the trail camera manufacturers make some kind of card reading device. But what I use is just a uh, little adapter that plugs into my cell phone, and you download mm-hmm. an app, and boom, you can upload your pictures. And the reason I say that is 
we've all been there if you use trail cameras long enough you're going to get some documentary quality uh footage of um grass growing and leaves blowing (laughs) and and uh, and a, a camera that gets knocked weird by a raccoon and yeah and so if you take the time to ride your four-wheeler all the way back in there or hike all the way back in there and just take that that card with you and think that all is going to be good and well um you might be <laughs> you might be crying your eyes out after yeah, three yeah, months of yeah. letting that sit there or you left the camera turned off or something something like that right. so well, so, and, and I'll say too, you know, for as a first gen hunter, you know, if you're a first gen hunter, mm-hmm. um, you know, we all know it's intimidating, you know, getting in anything new. And and you know, what I would say is, as a couple of tips and pointers, you know, myself, you know, just my my personal thing, you know, I don't run cameras all year um, because, you know, at this point, I, I'm not I'm close enough to my properties where I don't have to have the Wi-Fi cams. And sure, uh, you know, the reality of having a family and, and these different things, it it makes it unrealistic to really, you know, be able to get there at different points of the year frequently. So, you know, so, you know, for, for a first gen hunter out there that, that may be new to it and like, man, what can I do? That's, you know, maybe realistic for where I'm at. You know, the things, really the thing that I do is, you know, right around June, you know, I'm out there with, with a a product like trophy rock, uh, Mm. you know, any, any sort of mineral based product that's going to get out there and and it's going to accomplish two things. You know, it's going to, it's going to help them with rack development, uh, and and just nutrition in general. And it's, going to get you a ton of pictures and so normally uh, 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 large mineral sites there's they they would be recommended about one per 80 acre piece of property so if you've got you know a a mid-sized property you might have one if you got a large property you might have a couple yeah um and and you can run that successfully from you know may june july august september and and then at that point what I've, what I've had a tremendous amount of success with is then transitioning those cameras from there to mock scrapes um, or even okay, better, yep. a, scrape, a scrape line um, of, of active scrapes. And you may and, and I've, I've you know, had great success with both you know, active scrapes that, that were legitimate and mm-hmm. mock scrapes. I mean, you can get wonderful pictures. As soon as you start to see that activity spike, usually around mid-October, you put those cameras over those those mock scrapes or those real scrapes, and you will get some solid pictures. And of course, there's different techniques, and I, I know Kent's kind of gone into some of that with you know the the article that he's written and whatnot. But I mean, those are kind of the two big things that I really go for. Um, and then late, you know, if I had to throw a third one in, you know, later season, um, you know, as it gets colder you know, the deer, the deer want carbs. So, I mean, usually, you know, early season, you know, we're doing food plots, you know, we're using that side of things Mm -hmm. in terms of food sources. They're, they're hitting the beans, things like that. But late season, they want the carbs. It's cold. They want the carbs. They want the corn. So at that point, you know, we'll put some corn out. Every state's different. You know, some states allow it on, on private property, not on state property type thing. So everyone has to kind of find out what their state allows. But, um, you know, utilizing that corn to get photos late season to see what you're looking at is then that kind of that trifecta of ways that you can consistently get some pretty good pictures all, you know, all throughout, you know, a good, a good uh, amount of the season without kind of going crazy with things. Yeah, for, for sure. If you have a remote property and you just don't have it figured out well enough how the deer are moving, that's, that's really not a bad idea. But as Brandon said, um, they're each state can vary greatly on, Mm -hmm. on what they allow and, I know um, 
places like Michigan, um, mm-hmm. they've really tightened down on um, f- on feeding um, mm-hmm. with with some of the bait sites that that people will do. Um, yeah. In Iowa, there's you're you're allowed to put mineral out for sure, uh, but you just okay. can't hunt over it. I think you have to be Why? like a minimum. I don't know, maybe 300 yards or so. I can't remember the mm-hmm. exact rule. But, yeah, I mean, those are both really effective ways. And, and in Iowa, you can you can throw corn out to, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, don't quote me on that. I'm not a DNR officer. But I, <laughs> I think you can throw corn out um, and put, like, a camera over it. But, again, um, you may not be able to, to hunt over. I don't think you can mm-hmm. hunt over bait in Iowa. So, mm-hmm. It, it it does vary by state, so so yeah, that's wise advice from from Brandon there to always make sure that when you do something like that, you you are are not gonna get yourself a ticket or for yes. your name in the paper or something like that. <laughs> right. But we don't but, we don't want to facilitate that. Right. But there are some rules about um, uh, using animal products. So mm-hmm. the concern there, of course, is the transmission of disease, chronic wasting mm-hmm. disease being the, the main concern. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in some states, I believe South Carolina just recently went to this, where they are not allowing um, any use of cervid, so that would include your um, deer family, any use mm-hmm. of cervid urine products. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, sometimes during the rut or something, people will like to use, uh, uh, doe estrus and, and stuff sure. like that. And so, um, maybe there's some similar rules that apply to mock scrapes, but I think in most cases, mock scrapes are, are, are pretty much okay. I, I, I don't, I'm not aware of any states that have made that. I don't know. Maybe you've heard. Maybe you've heard of states outlawing mock scrapes, but I don't think right. I have. And and this is just I mean, this is a this is a real tip from <laughs> from someone who's done it a long I th- time. I think I know where you're going. Yeah, I, I mean, quite honestly, I've had just as much success setting up a mock scrape and using the restroom in it myself <laughs> uh than, than about anything else truthfully i mean you know you if you hit it right you know and you're you're getting into that key time where the 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 bucks are are you know you know really creating that type of activity which of course um you know anyone who's really familiar with deer hunting you know a, a good 75 to 90 percent of scrapes and in some cases more depending on the area are made at night so you know you're not sure. you're not typically going to be utilizing scrape sites to hunt over anyway what you're really you're what you're really able to do is identify okay what bucks are on the property and you know what maybe they're on the property on this side of the property you know making this activity at night and maybe sure. they're on another side of the property traveling during the day. So, I mean, it really helps you identify that side of things to know what's cruising around yeah, that's on a there. Really good point. Um, but, but I mean, it's amazing. I mean, you, you know, you just, you know, you ruffle things up a little bit, you know, you, you use the, you know, you use the all natural from yourself <laughs> and, and sometimes that will, that will do the job just as well, which is pretty cool. I mean, Hey, saves you some money and, you know, accomplishes the, the job. So, I mean, Hey, nothing wrong with that. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Thankfully there's, there's been zero evidence of chronic wasting <laughs> disease jumping the species barrier. So, right, uh, right. so yeah, I think if you, you take a leak on your own mock scrape, you probably, so, so my question then is is it 
if if you whiz in your own scrape, is it technically still a mock scrape, or is that considered a human <laughs> scrape? Is that? <laughs> You know what? Well said. That's a great point. I like it. it was good. You, you, if, if you're you not using up, the synthetic up, product, you're right. Yeah, it's true. Well, and it's and it's crazy because you know you 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 think you know for instance I I and there and there's you know conflicting. But this is kind of more of a funny thing. But you know there's conflicting thought. You know should you go to the bathroom in the woods? Should you not? You know when I was growing up, you know the the consensus was. I mean my dad was like, look, we don't ever go in the bath go to the bathroom in the woods because the deer will smell when you go to the bathroom mm-hmm. in the woods and it will ruin your hunt. And, you know, I've done a lot of reading on the topic over the years and yep. you know, from a lot of very well-respected sources. And, you know, obviously there's some pe- good, good people will differ on this. Um, but for the most part, you know, a lot of, a lot of the people now are saying, you know, it doesn't really make a difference in, in the sense of it's going to ruin a hunt or something like that. And in fact, quite to the contrary, sometimes like with the mock scrape side of things, it can actually generate interest. So, I mean, it's kind of interesting how as people learn more things develop, you know, it's pretty cool what you end up learning through the years. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I actually had a buddy this year at a, in a late, uh, muzzleloader hunt. Uh, yeah, he, uh, blew his opportunity because he was, uh, he was doing a little sky whizzing from his uh his tree stand and a couple of deer ran in behind him. <laughs> so, and so yeah, it didn't scare them away but but uh he oh, certainly he bummer, certainly wasn't man. yeah, he wasn't he wasn't ready to to uh engage, I guess you could say. So right. So yeah, it's uh, one, that's one that's one of the the things about hunting is there's so many ways to be caught unprepared. <laughs> yes, well said. Very, and you know that's it. You know you take your eye off things for just one minute. You know you don't have your stand quite right. It's a game of inches. You know, and and so many of us who who have you know gotten game animals, whether it's deer, whether it's birds, whether you know when things come together and and that's the beautiful thing about hunting you know a lot of times it doesn't you know and if it did come together perfectly every single time it wouldn't be as special you know so when it does wow you know and 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 usually you know all of us we can reflect on when something comes together very rarely is it all skill you know you're you're relying on some different factors that are maybe not completely in your control so you know you just you just enjoy it everything has its own story like we've talked about before and your your goal honestly i think through hunting and through learning more you're you're trying to get out of your way your own way as much as possible you're trying to eliminate those things that you know you can control you know the stand placement the scent that you're putting out things like that that you know if you can just kind of get out of your way if you're if you're hunting an area where there's some deer and you're putting the time in you're going to probably have an opportunity at some point to to take an opportunity to to harvest a deer you know the issue is are you doing everything you know you need to from that you know first-gen perspective learning these these basics and these details to give yourself the best opportunity to make something happen yeah for sure couldn't couldn't say it better myself yep well the the next thing that i think we need to talk about is Mm -hmm. other first person or i even uh, thought it would be good to add in there so first-hand or second-hand uh Mm -hmm. scouting after shed season so now Mm -hmm. we've got we've had the green up um i think a couple things we can address quickly um Mm -hmm. that would make obvious sense turkey hunting and uh yep um i I think in the last episode we had uh us midwesterners had to uh fill you in on the mushroom hunting side of things yes (laughs) i enjoyed that (laughs) anytime anytime you're in the woods though that's an opportunity to 
Um, just keep an eye open for what what other species are doing, and mm-hmm. whether that be looking for sign or actually seeing, uh, in this case for deer, or just seeing the deer moving themselves, or or what often happens for me is when uh, I'm driving to these areas, uh, I get it. I get an idea of you know what's the overall uh, topography of the area, or what's mm-hmm. uh, where are the other feeding and bedding areas that are close by to where I'm going to be hunting, or maybe I'll even see something like a pheasant run across the road in front of me and be like, oh, maybe there are pheasants yeah. out over here. You know, we'll have to mm-hmm. bring the dogs mm-hmm. out this fall, and so. Just getting out for those two activities uh, after the green up starts to happen, and mm-hmm. you know it's it's getting too thick again to really be looking for sheds um, mm-hmm. and, and finding that late season uh, evidence from what deer were doing, uh, you know, yes. back in the winter. So some of the other things, though, and um, I'm I'm not sure if you've ever uh, done anything like this, Brandon, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually planning to write an article um, where I interview um, at least one farmer. I'd actually like to get a couple farmers to to weigh in on it. So basically, mm-hmm. these guys who, whether they hunt or not, they're spending a ton of time out in these fields near the wildlife. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, the information that they could offer, mm-hmm. I think... Um, people miss out on you know mm-hmm. certainly some mm-hmm. you know many farmers hunt themselves and mm-hmm. so so uh you know they they probably uh, swap stories with with uh their friends that they hunt with or whatever but mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. if you know a farmer why not go and ask him you know uh, sure and say hey what have you ever seen deer do this when the condition is you know fill in the blank uh or yeah. um well, one thing I heard once, uh, I, I asked a, a farmer friend of mine, I was like, you know, I, I often wonder how much do deer really hang out? Do they do they bed down and stand in corn? Because, you know, you know, a lot of people that probably just heard me ask that question are probably like, of course they do, you idiot. But when you, <laughs> when you think about it, uh, standing corn is not good bedding, really. Uh, mm-hmm. th- it's not mm-hmm. knocked down yet. It's really muddy mm-hmm. between the rows mm-hmm. so there's not mm-hmm. there's not really good uh thermal insulation down on the ground mm-hmm. plus mm-hmm. um you know although it's really hard to see into a cornfield if you're laying in a row and your predator's walking in the same row as you it's not <laughs> not a great not a great way to hide and so yeah that's kind of why i was having that question you know it's just like kind of putting piecing the obvious together i guess yeah and he said no absolutely deer bed down in corn he actually told a story about when he was he was harvesting a field once he actually hit a doe that was bed oh, wow. down in the field she's totally healthy and she bounced around on the uh um the head of his combine and she wow. j- she thankfully you know got away on un- uninjured and everything but yeah that's i mean that also shows how tight they'll lay to the ground, and at times mm-hmm. they'll choose instead of running, which we usually associate with their their uh, their flight response, right, or their, yes. their danger avoidance response. Mm-hmm. But in in that case, you know, which I think you know can open up a whole nother can of worms about 
you know, how close to your stand you ride in on your four-wheeler or your, in mm-hmm. your truck or some, some people on tractors or whatever. But I would have never known that unless I asked a farmer. And so sure, yeah. ta- if, if you can't get, especially for, again, for people hunting these remote properties, um, maybe, maybe you own a property that you have someone else farm for you or, or they rent the ground and they farm it for themselves. Mm-hmm. Ask them, be like, Hey man, yeah. what have you ever, you ever see deer around here? And, and, you know, I've told the story before of my tragic, uh, um, mm-hmm. missed opportunity on that giant buck. Yes. You know, who was the one that told me it was still alive? Well, it was the guy who was picking the last 10 acres where that, mm-hmm. that buck had, had bed down. So, yeah. uh, you know, I, th- I think reaching outside of just the hunting community to find that mm-hmm. information can be so valuable. So I would suggest talking to farmers. Have you, have you ever done anything yep. like that? Well, I, interestingly enough, you know, we, I have talked to some farmers, but w- one of the things that we're, we're able to benefit from from one of our properties is uh, our, actually our biggest one that we hunt is that the landowner, who's a really sweet, great guy, uh, lives literally right next to the property. So he, so he lives across the road sure. from the property, and there's a large field right there, and he, you know, his front yard is, you know, just he looks across, and there's yep. the property. Um, and so he's been able to feed us a lot of great information, you know, and, and for, on the turkey side of things, big time. On yeah. the deer side of things, big time. I mean, and so it's really awesome to, to be able to see. And that really is the kind of the proof in the pudding, you know, the boots on the ground. Well, if you live there or if you're a farmer, you know, you're always there. So, I mean, you're, you're really seeing things that, and it's amazing, you know, just for anyone who's even been out in a deer stand mm-hmm. for, for, you know, four or five hours, what you see sometimes in a single sit, whether it's you're, you're seeing some predators, you're, maybe you're seeing, maybe you're seeing, I, I caught a, I caught a trail cam picture, uh, this past year of a, a, um, cardinal and a blue jay sitting on opposite sides of the frame on perched on a limb and it was like a just a perfect picture you huh. know you, that's you cool. know just kind of cool to catch that and it was like i was going through it and i'm like wow i mean i feel like man this is this is just as cool as catching a deer yeah. on film you know to catch both of them at the same time sitting across from each other like that you know and that's just a, a micro example of you know hey maybe you're out in the woods for five hours and you see some pretty cool things you just picture being you know you know waking up every morning and looking across the way at a property or being a farmer and spending yeah. hours upon hours they're gonna they're gonna have that intel so i think absolutely agree you know ask them into and people a lot of those type of people they're they're open to providing information you know those are a lot of those people are great people that love to share that information and you know maybe they're hunters maybe they enjoy it hey a lot of those people they they want to help other people enjoy it too so you know giving them the opportunity is you know you never know what could ultimately come from that right right yeah our general thing as people to do when making small talk with people is to Mm -hmm. talk about the weather right but I have found another thing people like to talk about is wildlife. If if yes. uh, you know, people just have that have that natural interest there, even if they aren't hunters or or mm-hmm. or, or um, know anything about hunting or whatever, mm-hmm. the, a lot of times they can they'll, they'll carry a conversation on about that. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's a, that's that's a very very um, important thing to consider. I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well said. Another thing kind of along the lines of um, turkey hunting or looking for mm-hmm. mushrooms would be summertime fishing trips. Um, mm-hmm. uh, of course, you know, people people like ourselves who just 
live for you know being outside mm-hmm. and and, and yep. any opportunity to get out it's it's it, it ends up with us being on the water quite a bit every every yep. summer yep. and so you know catching fish and just being out fishing is is good enough but again mm-hmm. like we were talking about earlier and maybe this is the theme of the episode really is mm-hmm. is scouting efficiency right Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that multitasking of okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna get out the kayak today or the canoe, and we're gonna kind of you know float this stretch of of this this river or, or creek mm-hmm. or whatever that's bordering the property that we hunt or or um, is at least nearby. Maybe maybe it, it borders yep. the neighbor's property. Well, mm-hmm. while you're doing that, you know, pay attention for okay, this could maybe be a possible access point to get to mm-hmm. this stand that I can never really seem to get to in the mornings without getting busted or yep. I can't yep. I can't get there um you know during this time of the year because there's not enough tree cover left or the crops are all mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. all um uh, harvested and 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 so you lose your screen or whatever you know use that to to yep. help identify better access or if you're hunting uh like farm ponds um, sometimes you can notice, uh, wow, this pond actually seems to be a really busy place, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because, mm-hmm. because it's a pond, they're not going to plant yep. right on it. They, they can't get their equipment mm-hmm. in there. You know, the farmers can't. And, and, uh, so trees start to grow up in there and, mm-hmm. and, um, the, you know, it's usually just grass around there. So decent mm-hmm. bedding for deer and, yep. If you can, if you can, uh, um, really get in there and, and start exploring some of that stuff while you're fishing, you know, just keeping an eye out, maybe you'll start to know some rubs. Maybe, you know, some, uh, so, some trails that, that go through there, or a lot of tracks or, yep. or scat or something. And mm-hmm. what do you know? maybe you found this little tiny pocket where might not be, uh, many bucks, but maybe one buck is that's kind of his spot you know um uh, kind of a similar story very much agree yeah Yeah, a similar story i have to that actually was right away when i first started the very first time i ever went hunting i was pheasant Mm -hmm. hunting and um of course you know murphy's law for hunting when you're pheasant hunting you see deer (laughs) and when you're when you're deer hunting (laughs) you see pheasants uh And that's kind of what happened. I saw this really nice, mature buck that was about 150 mm-hmm. yards away. And I didn't know enough at the time, obviously, to be like, oh, I wonder where he's betting. I wonder what he's mm-hmm. doing over there. I wonder, you know. And he he was probably, I mean, looking back at it, it's hard to say, you know, because I didn't know much about mm-hmm. antler size and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I would guess he was probably at least 150s 160s class buck wow I mean, really nice. really a, yeah really a nice buck but the coolest yeah. thing about it was he had about like a 10 inch drop tine on his wow. uh, right side of his rack yeah just a nice. be- beautiful buck and talk about naming bucks the first name that just popped into my mind for him and i think he's about the only buck i've really ever given a name to um yeah. usually it's just like like what you're talking about white eight or you know mm-hmm. tall tall mm-hmm. tall tines or something like that mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. but i just the name brutus just came to my mind because he was like <laughs> just a big heavy buck you know with this really That's nice awesome. big rack. but um 
uh, a year later, so I saw him then. A year later, I was pheasant hunting out there again, and uh, I walked. I was walking in the same area, and uh, we were on this big brush pile, kind of working mm-hmm. around the, the edge of the pile, and all of a sudden, that buck exploded out of that brush pile with a oh my with a doe, and mm. and which was kind of weird because it was. You know, may it was probably around Halloween, so it was kind of okay. You know, kind of mm-hmm. weird for him to be hanging around with with those, but maybe maybe it, he was locked down with a, just a really early hot doe or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but he came busting out of there right where I had seen him the year before, and so the wow. best I could understand it was he had kind of found that little safe spot. Whether he bed there yeah. all you know all that often, I don't know, but mm-hmm. often enough mm-hmm. to where I saw him in the exact same spot twice. Right. You know, two years in a row. And it was just this tiny little spot that, that I came across while doing something totally different than scouting for big bucks, you know. And yes. unfortunately, yes. Uh, 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 that pile got removed by a bulldozer eventually oh, and burned. Man. So, And I never looked in there for sheds because, uh, I, I, again, didn't know enough about it back then. But, yeah, but, um, yeah he, he, he was just maximizing that little small area and mm-hmm. so when you're fishing around those little farm ponds you know use that additional those bushes growing up in there those trees growing up mm-hmm. in there the tall grass that provides for good bedding and maybe you can even find a spot to hang a tree stand um you know if the conditions are favorable obviously you'd be hunting in pretty close quarters there but maybe you can catch him when he's out of his bed and he's heading back to it or something like that and and yes. um uh you well, know and- Oh, and I think I think water is really is a really cool thing because water facilitates pinch points. And at some point, I know you know as as we get further into different episodes, we'll talk about pinch points and and different tactics and yep. how you can utilize the terrain to your advantage like that. Mm-hmm. But in Delaware, it's kind of interesting. You know, there's not a lot of farm ponds that would border hunting property not not as much as like you would see in the midwest but what there is a lot of is there's a lot of very large tax ditches that act as many times borders between properties things of that nature and it's amazing how you know just like a just like a, a bass will come up into the shallows in an area where they'll like to feed, but they like to quickly get away into the into the deeper water. Mm-hmm. In many cases, you'll have a tax ditch or, or just a large ditch of some of some sort that will act as a great opportunity where maybe there's some thick uh, woods on one side and a travel area on the other. That's like a that's like a big bucks like just just cruising territory because the buck feels safe because they can bound across that area and be into the into the thick woods and the cover but they're but right across the other side they've got a great travel open area where maybe they're looking for does maybe they're you know scent checking you know so something like that can be really advantageous because many times those those ditches and those things border those types of setups so i i can't tell you how many times we've had success on ditches you know i I, i'm thinking of multiple spots right now that Mm -hmm. we have set up on ditches because they're just great travel areas deer know that they're close to cover it has everything they need and in many cases many of those ditch areas of course there's water so they've got water there and of course many times there's greenery because that those type of areas get a fair amount of sunlight because of yeah. sometimes how large they are so you've got a good amount of feeding opportunity there as well and so just you know little things to look out for that ends up you know really could end up result 
and a lot of success, and you wouldn't necessarily think it. You know, maybe as a first-hand hunter, someone just getting into it, oh, it's just a little ditch, you know, whatever. But sometimes those little things can work out to be amazing. And then you look at, at farm ponds and things like that, you know, that are they're you know sometimes more prevalent in the Midwest and the South. Those places, you know, especially down south, I mean, you, you know, coming off of a hot summer, you're getting into September, getting prepared for the season. I mean, those can be honey holes, no pun intended. I mean, you know, those early season hunts when deer yeah. are really hitting those water sources, you know, so huge to look out for that as well. Yeah, yeah, that's a great tip. And we have similar stuff uh, here in the Midwest, kind of along, um, especially along big river systems like uh, the Mississippi River is, mm-hmm. is close to where I'm at and on the on the yeah. west the far western end of Iowa is the Missouri River and so you get all mm-hmm. these drainage backwater drainage ditches that yes. that um you can go out and bow fish on, on them and stuff and mm-hmm. and same thing yeah you can you can start to pick up on stuff or on those ditches again access right you know you can you can find yes. if you throw a throw a canoe in there and yep. uh you can slip in pretty much silently into oh, yeah. into uh you know and, and plus the nice thing about using a, a canoe uh you shoot a, a deer you can float it out of there instead of dragging <laughs> oh, it all the way out of there so which, much nicer which would oh, be my yeah, God, so much easier <laughs> a, a big a big advantage there right <laughs> yes one other thing that obviously common sense here that goes to any kind of scouting, um, get to a good vantage point. You know, use your use your terrain if you if you can get up on a on a hill or something to do some mm-hmm. do some glassing when you're out mm-hmm. scouting. Um, that's going to only work to your advantage to be able to to, to see more of of uh, the the landscape and, and really get that as mm-hmm. close to a bird's eye view as possible. But also along yeah. the lines of talking with um, the, with farmers, um, at least here in Iowa, I imagine other states do this too, but um, one thing I really like that our DNR does is on the listed wildlife management areas that, that are on the DNR website, they will mm-hmm. upload a PDF map and on the bottom of that map, they'll say um, biologist assigned to this wildlife management area or something like along those lines. And then they give him nice. his yeah. business cell phone number. Nice. And yeah, that is so, such a great resource. I don't know how much other mm-hmm. people have taken advantage of this, but I've done it a few times. I've called that number yeah. and talked to the guy. And and I'm the the guy that I've talked to a couple times, you can mm-hmm. tell it's like his baby. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. his. Oh, yeah. He's been he's been calling the shots in that place. He's been mm-hmm. he's been doing the habitat improvement and and mm-hmm. uh, you know having farmers come in and, and do food sources. And so he knows that land. He knows what what potential it has. He's the one that put on that map. Yeah, if you come here, you're gonna be able to hunt this species, this species, and this species because he's seen them there, and he's talked with other hunters that have seen them there. And so, give those kind of guys a call. I mean, that's that's uh, that's why they do what they do. They're trying to they're trying to uh, establish healthy populations and on these these management areas, and they're trying to um, uh, really work for us hunters and anglers yes. and so let's uh reach out to that excellent resource and and find yes. out what we can you know that even if it's not even if you got to do a little bit more digging it's not listed right there on the map mm-hmm. you know ch- 
check it out and see what in, you can in find. In many cases, like you said, these people want to help. So, you know, you're connecting with a resource that wants to that wants to assist you, which is awesome. Yeah, exactly. They 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 want to be there um as that resource and 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 mm-hmm. serve in that way. So, mm-hmm. yeah, reach out for sure. Well, just as we close here, I I thought it might be kind of fun to um think about what is the best scouting moment you've ever had. So I'm talking here and yes, I want it to be that specific. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Okay. That's, that's, that's kind of, if you have that's to, good. that's, that's okay. But, but try to, try to think of, try to think of, uh, the best, um, the best moment, whether it be came across a trail cam picture maybe you were out doing one of the other activities that we mentioned before and you you saw something mm-hmm. kind of like when i was pheasant hunting and saw that big buck or yeah or w- whatever it was what was the coolest thing that you've come across I, i'll go first mm-hmm. because i didn't warn you yeah. that that uh no, good, I, yeah. I would ask you this question to be thinking about it beforehand so i'll, I'll give you a chance to think about yours but uh for for me mm-hmm I um I, I as I've mentioned many times I like to hunt on my grandparents' farm, and mm-hmm. uh, what's what's really cool about that is that farm is um let's see it's seven years away from becoming a uh, century farm meaning that it's it's nice. been in the same family for 100 years. So, Very cool. Yeah, yeah, really a, a a big thing to our family. And my grandfather actually was, he's 83 now. He was mm-hmm. born in the bedroom that he currently sleeps in. So he wow. has lived in the same house for 83 years. That and is amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Never, ever moved. Just uh, uh, his dad farmed there, and then he farmed there after... Um, he wow. was grown and, and his dad retired from it. So, so anyways, th- it's a special place to my family, sp- obviously yeah. a very special place to my, my grandfather mm-hmm. and, uh, they love looking at the trail cam photos, you know, cause that's their land. Oh, that's, yeah. that's, that's the, yeah. the wildlife that's calling their land home. And, mm-hmm. and it, it's just obviously very interesting to me. In fact, my grandmother, uh, just sent me this r- awesome in fact this would be a good one to put up on the the first gen website as well um she sent me this awesome video of a rooster pheasant the other day like last week walking through their front yard hopped up on a tree stump and just started crowing like crazy and flapping his wings that's awesome yeah it was it was really cool and she had it all on video and everything but anyway so they love they love the wildlife there and and uh um so they get they they get excited when I go pull my cards for my cameras and and mm-hmm. uh, I try to remember to bring an i my iPad with me so that way it's a nice mm-hmm. big picture you know we can all kind of gather around it and look through and so I yes of course I remember that like once out of every ten times <laughs> but <laughs> I always forget something like the cards or the yeah card reader or the iPad or mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. The stars aligned so far as me r- remembering everything I need. For some reason, I hadn't been to my cameras in a long time, and I basically just let them soak all. I let them soak through the rut all the way through mm. the winter, which, by the way, wow. try doing that sometime. Uh, if you are a trail camera 
uh, user out there and your listener that if you haven't ever done that because you can find out some really valuable information for how deer especially use your land during those different mm-hmm. those different times of the year as things change but we're just kind of flipping through flipping through picture after picture and uh then all of a sudden totally catches us off guard this giant buck staring <laughs> straight at the camera he's probably within 10 yards of the camera so you get this beautiful full oh. body shot of him head turned right at you so you can clearly see his rack you know what yeah. i mean just the perfect trail cam picture and and it just like it like made us all gasp you know like as we yeah as as because we hadn't seen it yet you know we were just shuffling through yeah. the pictures you know and just all of a sudden boom right there on the screen and uh yeah that in fact i kind of am suspicious that that was um either the buck that i hit or the one that was wow. standing next to him um wow that other really nice buck and yes. he had just put on a bunch of weight you know between from that that year to the next but yeah but uh that was probably my favorite scouting moment so you got one that is really neat i do i do i so i'll say one quick fun one then i'll say my you know my ultimately my my you know my favorite one sure um my uh my brother and i we were out turkey hunting this is probably that's about three years ago now we were out turkey hunting and we were just kind of walking the trail and you know if you're not hearing them in the morning you, know, you start walking the property you know and every you sure. know 50 to 100 yards you're you call and you're trying to try to locate the birds and i just happened to stumble upon a a turkey leg that had been you know that it was just the bone and it was a banded bird and so i Whoa. just stumbled across on the ditch just it was it was the the you know clearly the thing had had died it was you know whether it was eaten or whatever but i mean it was you know some some time yeah. later and it was just perffectly set right in the middle of nowhere on a ditch banded a banded bird and the band right on that bone oh, that is and cool. that was that was really neat um you know probably my favorite one though ever was and this is this is going back uh this is back in who 2012 so this is back a good ways um you know we were we had trail cams out uh we were you know one of our pieces of property very small about 22 acre piece of property um at that at that time bordered uh a large piece of club land it's actually now uh, a pri- another private club. It now is has actually was been bought by the state, so it now okay. it's all state land back there. Um, and we had a really cool trail cam picture of you know it was it was one of those huge holly trees that had a quadruple scrape under it. It was oh, like man. four distinct scrapes under it. Wow! And we got this picture of what looked to be just like a giant buck. Just you could tell, just kind of going up into the you know the licking branch side of things and just you know rattling those branches around for sure. And you know we got a beautiful picture of this thing. And so uh, fast forward the about two days later. We saw this buck over in the uh, greenfield across the road, not our property, but, you know, just across from our property in a greenfield. Mm-hmm. And so my, my brother, the, the next day or so, went and hunted that, that piece that we have. And he came very close, very close to shooting that deer. And he it just stepped the wrong way and he didn't oh. get it, which ended up 
me I, on my side, I was very thankful for that because yeah. the very the very next morning, I was hunting the other side of the property, <laughs> and uh, and you could probably see, you could probably yep. think about how this is gonna go, you know. And it's great, you know. Ever since ever since this particular hunt, actually, I have made it a point to say, and this is this is a great tip for first gen hunters: when you want to leave, when you want to get down give it 10 more minutes yep. okay, when you when you just had it enough give it 10 more minutes you know I, I had gotten to that point it was about 9 40 in the morning i looked down at my phone and i thought you know man i really have not seen anything you know i'm getting hungry you know what i'm gonna give it 10 more minutes i'm gonna do one more calling sequence i'm gonna give it 10 minutes so i did a, a calling sequence which you had a, a can call you know a doe bleat and mm-hmm. uh you know usually combine it with a grunt tube and so i did that and just you know kind of resigned myself to okay i'm gonna give it a few it was one of those perfect mornings so you you hate it to leave but you knew you had to leave at some right. point and uh you know i didn't even hear anything and you know i just you know about five minutes later you know here's just a few more minutes before i'm gonna go i just turned around and that same buck is sneaking behind me and it was a lot of pines a lot of pine needles you really couldn't hear a whole lot even though it was quiet you know it was just sneaking behind me and that you know he ended up walking right behind me gave me a beautiful 25 yard shot and then praise oh, the lord man. i was able to drop him right there and he's you no know, he's one of the ones on my wall right now and so i mean that was pretty cool to go from the standpoint of man scouting we were able to see him on that trail cam with that quadruple yep. scrape able to see him while while we're hunting able to see him across the green field and then after all that time able to get him in the sights so i mean it's pretty cool that all of that lined up and we're able to 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 you know ultimately get the harvest yeah for sure you feel like you uh put the homework in the homework paid off yes and, yes. and uh you, you get to see it through the whole process yeah for sure that yes. as as a first gen hunter myself that is a, a dream to happen you know i, I yes. have i have buddies that will find like multiple years of sheds off of a buck that they right. end up killing or something you know and that mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. just that to me is just so cool and they have all the history on the the trail cams and yes and yeah nothing nothing uh more rewarding really yes. than i mean it's and it's rewarding enough you know when you you do get that like like uh you've mentioned before that buck that you shot when you left your stand five minutes early you know mm-hmm. and you just right mm-hmm. place right time that's a rewarding feeling too you know but yes. but yeah i gotta imagine that that um when you when you have that kind of history with 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 a buck it yes it's it's extra special so and and, you know like we said every 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 animal you know whether it's i don't care if you're shooting a a dove you know or 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 a rooster or a deer whatever you know what every single one of those has a story and it's cool when the story has layers you know if you've got a history within one of course you know something like like a deer you know it's a little easier to facilitate you know deeper layers to things but you know sometimes you know sometimes you're hunting a deer for it could be a week or two it could be a year or two where you're seeing the same deer and or you're maybe you're watching it grow and I mean, just the depth of that story, For you sure. know, and, and as a, as a hunter, you know, uh, as you become more mature as a hunter, I know when I was early on in hunting, you know, you want, you want to get, you know, you, you want to get some harvest because, you know, you, you just, you want so bad to, to kind of build your credibility as a hunter. You want so bad to, to, to have that moment where you can enjoy it. And then as you get older and you're into hunting more, you know, it becomes, 
you know, less about that and more about the experience and the story that goes along with it. And so it's cool to enjoy those early years, you know, and then as you mature and grow, you know, you, you enjoy another side of it even more. So it's pretty cool how, like we said before, it doesn't matter if you've been out there one year or 50 years, people that love it, there's always something more to learn. There's always something more to enjoy. And you're, and it's really cool to see how you yourself grow through that process as well, which is pretty neat. Well said. Well said. Yeah, I look forward to that as I, as I, I'm, I'm getting close to that, to that phase. You know, I've, yes. I've, I've passed. Let's see, I've passed a few deer already. You know, yeah. I've, I've been, I, I've had enough success where I can, I can start to do some of that. You know, and yes. and and that's something, by the way. You know, that we should mention. You know, just quickly here as 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 we mm-hmm. close, we're getting. Pre- pretty long here but when you're a first gen hunter and you you get that first opportunity um the last thing you should be thinking about is what will others think and Mm -hmm. well said and when you've been hunting for 30 years like brandon i would say the same thing still applies the last thing you should be thinking because who really cares what deer Mm -hmm. they're you know that other people have in their house I mean, mm-hmm. so, some people, but outside of your best friend or your, your yeah. family, um, mm-hmm. most people are just worried about themselves. And so if you see that deer yeah. and you're like, man, that would, that would just give me a, that sense of satisfaction for this hunt mm-hmm. by all means, you know, go for it. And, and I think that that satisfaction that Brandon's talking about, it changes a little bit. It's not any less significant to him than the first deer yes. he ever shot. And yeah, it's just the right word is that extra layer of, of, um, of challenge and, and satisfaction mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. that really kind of brings him back to, to that feeling that he got the very first time he, he shot yes. something. So, yes. Very so, well said when when you you're starting out don't feel bad if your first deer is a doe that was my first deer and yeah and sure i was i was i was through the moon man over the moon or whatever the oh yeah the the oh, the saying is yeah. i you know i Cloud the, nine. you're right you're right and and uh same thing with my my first buck it was it was uh you know it, I, yeah i'm happy it was a he he was a six point. He definitely wasn't mm-hmm. a giant though, and and um, you know I look but forward you'll to you'll never forget. Right, right, and I look forward to to, to building from there and and adding more mm-hmm. of those layers that Brandon's talking about. And, and yes. so, of course, you know as we close here, that's that's the point of first gen hunters to to help to help you um, if you, if you are in those uh, shoes or or. Um, even if you are a really uh, seasoned hunter, experienced hunter, um, you know that's that's uh, also a good reminder for for you as uh, you consider uh, each deer that that gives you an opportunity and and also as you mentor um, other hunters, hopefully yourself, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. encourage them yes. that that um, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, right? And and uh, yeah. a well-cooked deer steak tastes like a well-cooked deer steak, and there's not much better mm. than that. Which, by the way, I will say Amen. this. Father's Day is not too far away, which, man, yes. once you have kids, it's like, a, it's like <laughs> almost a second birthday, man. It's, so you yes, gotta you gotta true. cash it's in. True. So I've actually asked my <laughs> wife to make venison um, 
Oh man, Wellington, Venison Wellington. I forgot the name oh, there for a second. Oh, nice. So I I'm gonna get out thought a uh, backstrap from this last year. Nice. And, uh, yes. Uh, hopefully uh, I'll have a good report. She might she might she's an excellent cook and she she takes yeah. some really challenging uh, dishes like that. But um, I, I don't know. She might she might not uh, want to go to all that <laughs> effort. I wouldn't blame her, but. <laughs> But uh, um, that's uh, that's something I have to look forward to. Well, anyways, uh, thank you so much once again for joining in on another episode of the First Gen Hunter podcast. Of course, we're always going to recommend you check out the First Gen Hunter website. That's firstgenhunter.com. Uh, check us out on YouTube. We have a channel. Look up the First Gen Hunter uh, YouTube channel. And find us on Facebook at the First Gen Hunter uh, Facebook page. Just type that into the search bar, First Gen Hunter. And another place uh, you can find us is on Instagram. Look up at first.gen.hunter. And uh, another thing we're going to be working on is our Go Wild page that we'd like to link up. So if you uh, uh, get on the Go Wild uh social media platform a place for hunters and anglers and other outdoorsmen to uh, kind of like instagram share pictures and and Mm -hmm. what they've been doing but one of the cool things it has is like an activity tracker so you can kind of post you know oh i did a few hours of scouting or or um, nice yeah did some fishing that kind of thing so check us out uh, on on those various platforms um There'll be links to all those things, though, if you need help finding them. Uh, just go to the, again, to firstgenhunter.com, and that'll be uh, the easiest way to find access to all those things. And, of course, Brandon, uh, once again, can you remind everybody where they can connect with Hunt Fish Life? Absolutely. Yep, yep. Hunt Fish Life exists to, you know, celebrate everything related to hunting and fishing. And, uh, you know, also to mentor and, and build up those young hunters, those new hunters. And I would love to have people check out the website. It's the, it is uh, thehuntfishlife.com. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook uh, at Hunt Fish Life. Um, you can find us on Instagram at huntfish, spelled H-N-T-F-S-H, life. Uh, and would love to see stories from people out there and just look forward to continue to celebrate in the uh, brotherhood and sisterhood of the outdoors. All right. That is, that is a great resource to tap into. And by the way, shirts are really nice. I own one and the decal <laughs> game is strong over at hunt fish life. They've, Thank they've, you. they've Thank been, you they've been getting some really cool uh, decals going and uh, uh, you're, vehicle would look great with one or you could do what uh my my father-in-law does he has this like little uh lunchbox size uh cooler that he plasters that thing with uh cool decals Mm -hmm. and stuff so i started kind of doing the same thing so i might actually head over there tonight and grab myself a couple uh hfl decals so thank you brandon and you know hey it's all about all about celebrating you know what we love and so we're we're blessed to be able to be here and talk about it and enjoy it together that's right that's right well said well thanks brandon as always for for jumping on and uh sure um, look forward to uh next time we get to catch up
as the saying goes, all good things must come to an end. And it is that time for episode three. As always, a gigantic thank you to Brandon for helping me out by co-hosting the show, lending his expertise, and generally just making me look better than I am. And a huge thank you to all of you for supporting First Gen Hunter by listening to this podcast. The mission of First Gen Hunter is to help other hunters, so please help me help you by navigating your way over to firstgenhunter.com to find additional resources and maybe even find some First Gen Hunter gear to rep. Until we meet again, my hunting compadres, take care and take someone hunting.